0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for turning into another edition of the Extra Rounds podcast. Uh (laughs) My name is Mike Dice. I'm Elias, and I see what you did there. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the ease. They they, they trip me up every week. There's a lot of ease. Um, But we're happy to be here once again uh, and and headed into a UFC pay-per-view. It's been over a month since we've been looking forward to a UFC pay-per-view, which is uh, kind of crazy. You usually have one once a month. And the only UFC thing really going on in August, for the most part, was uh, the fight with... um, Mayweather and McGregor. I can't so, remember their names anymore. Yeah. It's <laughs> we been talk so about them nonstop. Now we can't remember their names. Right. Uh, that's not a bad not a bad issue, though. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, it's nice to kind of get back to MMA basics. So <laughs> looking forward to that. Uh, we have an incredible fight coming up this weekend, UFC 215. It's a card that I think people are kind of sleeping on. Yeah. And you think we would get a little bit more appreciation since it's been so long since we've seen a UFC pay-per-view card of this magnitude. But in the main event, Demetrius Johnson fights Ray Borg for the flightweight title. Uh, he's looking to make history. If he w- beats Ray Borg, he will uh, set the record for 11 consecutive title defenses, um, more than Anderson Silva's 10. He would also tie George St. Pierre for 12 wins in title fights, which is a pretty big achievement um, there. So all 12 of them coming uh, in the flyweight mm-hmm. division, of course, the 12th being the inaugural yeah. uh, title fight, which doesn't count in the title defense records. And then, of course, we have the Valentina Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes bantamweight women's bantamweight title fight, which was supposed to be at UFC 213 before it got called off hours before that fight was yeah. supposed to start. So uh, it's going to be a really exciting card. There's some uh, a lot of a lot of names on it, um, and it's going to be really appealing. But it's kind of being a little bit slept on a little bit. But the, the big storyline, of course, is Demetrius Johnson's place in history. If he wins and beats Ray Borg, mm-hmm. where do you think he sits is he the greatest of all time? Is he still behind John Jones? Is he behind George St.
1: Pierre or Silva? Where does he rank? Well, it's a, it's a completely, it's a fun mental exercise. We can never know for sure. I mean, there's different things, right? And then we kind of intermesh them when we talk about legacy. There's skill set and pound for pound skill set, like who would beat who, all things being equal size-wise. Uh, and then there's accomplishments, and we loosely combine those things to, to determine, you know, greatest of all time statuses, or to debate them at least, because we can't really determine those things. I, you know, I, as far as skill set and achievements go, Demetrius Johnson is already, um, uh, you know, already in the in a spot where you can debate him as the best of all time, and someone could argue with you and mention, you know, someone else, or uh, an Anderson Silva, or George St. Pierre, or Randy Couture, whomever. But he's already there, right? Like, if he does this, he you know he definitely takes a step forward, and it might be a real uh, a real scary indication of what he's we he can accomplish because he's still very very young, maybe not super young for these 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 uh, lower divisions where speed reflexes are so paramount. But I don't think he's even thirty yet. If he is, he's. I think he's thirty one. Is he? Oh, okay, so he's he's barely thirty. He's a young dude. So it, you know he he has a lot more to accomplish, not to, not to prove. Um, I you know I don't I'm not you know. <laughs> To, to jump into partially into some of the debate, I I don't put I don't put John Jones at the top of either of those. I I mean you can quibble. he's not your greatest of all time.
0: No. Is it because of the recent developments? No, or it's nothing. Before? I mean
1: it's just he just I uh, you know the skill. I mean he's he's incredibly effective, and right. he has beaten uh, great fighters, uh, pretty much all of whom have also been beaten, other than Daniel Cormier. Um, uh, he's he's a great he's a great uh, effective fighter, but it's not as if he, he's as well-rounded of a fighter in terms of skills uh, as any number of people we've had. as Anderson Silva, Demetrius Johnson, George St. Pierre. I mean, it just a lot, a lot of folks. Um, uses what he has really, really well on top of his really great um, wrestling base. Uh, but it's not as if I would ra- – I wouldn't even rather take a, a class or a seminar from John Jones over Daniel Cormier. Like, well, John Jones can't teach me to be John Jones. But Daniel Cormier could teach me how to throw strikes in combination. You know, like there's just there's people that, if they didn't have all his attributes, you know, I mean, th- we would appreciate their skill sets more and realize that they're they're more well rounded. Uh, and in terms of accomplishments, he's certainly beat a lot of folks. But he's just he's not anywhere near, you know, these title defense records as some of these folks are. Maybe he would have. Maybe he wouldn't have if he wouldn't you know, keep on getting in, in, in trouble. Um, I don't fault – I mean, listen, I assume people who use – I assume most fighters use banned performance-enhancing drugs. I assume the ones who use them use them regardless of this sham of USADA. So I don't put much stock into this. I assume John Jones is using whatever he always uses and is always trying to mask it in whatever way he's trying to mask it, like always. I went in, you know, in there knowing that, and that probably is the same for most of his opponents, if not all of them. So I don't really care uh, that much if he tested positive now for something. Uh, it's more like getting caught, and not not the usage to me. Uh, but no, yeah, I think John Jones is just great. But uh, yeah, I definitely don't have Demetrius Johnson is is more well-rounded fighter in terms of skills, and he's accomplished more in terms of title defenses as a champion. He's been more consistent. So yeah, I definitely have him over John Jones right now. Uh, but again, it's nothing but a mental exercise. It's totally subjective. Right. Uh, you know, like I could, someone could could think I'm an idiot and bring up points and be very very lucid and and have a great points. So,
0: yeah, uh, one of the things that I I kind of asked this on Twitter, and I think one of the people said that uh, Jones came in and beat notable people. He beat Shogun, and then he's beaten notable people. And Johnson doesn't have that luxury because the division really didn't exist before him. He was the first champion, and he's the only champion. So, but but he also fought. Uh, Joseph Benavides, who's only lost to him twice, and to Dominic Cruz, uh, a Bantamweight champion. So he's only lost to two fighters who are both considered the best in their weight class. Um, But you also have people like Henry Cejudo, Olympic gold medalist. John Dodson, the first winner of the Ultimate Fighter Bantamweight uh, season. So he's beat him twice. So, you know, I think there's interesting there, but it is, it's a lot harder because, um, what I think it was Damon Martin, your colleague Mm. at Flow Combat pointed at us, is that the the history didn't exist to kind of see in that division to see where Demetrius Johnson's place in that division was, like it is with John Jones or George St. Pierre
1: or yeah. Anderson Silva and these other weight classes that have been around longer. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I think the awareness didn't exist. These guys all existed and they all were fighting, they just weren't famous. I mean, so I, I you know, I, <laughs> and le- I, so it doesn't. It shouldn't factor that heavily into. We should be able to look at like skill sets and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's very true. If we're talking about why isn't Demetrius Johnson getting the uh, the credit he deserves, and that's a very good explanation and a very true explanation. But it doesn't weigh much into my personal worthless determination of, of where he would rank because I think folks like Sehudo or Dotson – or um uh, Benavidez or any uh, ian McCall like uh, Dominic cruz, all these opponents um of, of Demetrius Johnson are as skilled as as uh, anyone that uh just about anyone's ever faced is a really really uh well rounded dynamic great athletes and, and fighters and i
0: forget i think uh it is subjective mm-hmm. it can go anywhere oh, so yeah. it it will be a a debate that's never resolved
1: <laughs> no so. never it's fun to it's fun to debate it. But yeah, so I'm not. By the way, I'm not like hating on John Jones's abilities. Like, there's no arguing. There's no arguing uh, how effectively he fights, and that's all it really comes down to. Um, it's part, It's really like splitting hairs when you get to this level. When you're, when you're when you're determining who's better or more accomplished, Demetrius Johnson, Anderson Silva, John Jones. You know, like, it's really splitting hairs at that point. And I forgot to uh, mention this at the top of the hour because I was so excited
0: to get back to <laughs> MMA. Uh, we do have Charles Rosa calling in uh, in about seven minutes and then about 2.30 or, or 3.30 if you're on the East Coast, um, 30 after the hour, uh, we have Dustin Poye calling in to talk about his upcoming fight. So uh, stay tuned for that. We're just kind of talking about some MMA topics until we get there. So let's, let's move on. Uh, fight pick.
1: If you had to pick that fight, Johnson Borg, who are you going with? Ray Borg is a great fighter, uh, but Demetrius Johnson's given us no reason not to pick him, so I, I would go with the champion to win. Johnson just seems to keep getting better, and his skill set yeah. keeps
0: expanding, and it's becoming harder and harder to beat him. And it's just every fight that comes along. Like remember when Henry Cejudo was like he was going to fight Henry Cejudo, and it's like mm. this big wrestling question—yeah—whether he able to do it. And he beat him in the first round with a knockout. Yeah. Like he's just—he um, just keeps getting so much better. That it's hard to see anybody catching up to him. And when we were talking about Media Day before Mayweather McGregor, obviously, mm. the one uh MMA thing that came out of that is uh he talked a lot about his legacy and how that pertains to um like an Anderson Silva. Mm. So if he sets the record, he will have done it in basically two years faster than Silva did. But and he points to that and he says, like I fight twice a year because my pay structure says that I have to. Mm. But uh I fight twice a year. I'm fighting as often as the top contenders. He's like Anderson Silva, like Jose Aldo fought like once, twice a year, maybe, but he, the gap in their fights gave other contenders the opportunity to rise up. And he's like, but I'm fighting as frequently as the contenders. So nobody's getting enough of a stretch to kind of like build themselves up into a star to make a marquee fight. And I thought that was a really kind of accurate and intriguing piece of insight. That's
1: very true. Right. Very. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it in that way, but
0: (laughs) that's true. Yeah. So, Moving on. Valentina Shevchenko, Amanda Nunes in the main event. We've talked about this one at Nazi M. All I think of our p- our feelings about it still yeah. still remain <laughs> since it never happened at UFC two thirteen. But yeah. any new thoughts about Nunes and Shevchenko?
1: I'm just really looking forward to it. If you know if you if you if you have if you're watching this now and you haven't seen their first fight, definitely do yourself a favor and watch it. Very close fight. Um and both women are gotten a lot better, both have accomplished a great deal. It's impossible for me to pick a, a a winner. I think both women are capable of beating the other. Either woman's capable of beating the other in any given night. Uh, the only thing I will say in, in, in a, it, it it's a characteristic that has me doubt her repeatedly, and then she she proves those doubts to be silly is that Sevchenkel's is a lot smaller, like she's a lot smaller than most man weights. She's very small for that weight. She should at least be fighting at 125. She's just such a great fighter that it doesn't matter. And she very well could be the best bantamweight in the world, even though she's really not a bantamweight and walking around and talking to us after huge meals days before fights at like 135. And, you know, if maybe she's lying when she talks about how much she weighs, but she also looks a lot smaller than everyone she fights, like Holly Holmes. She looked like Holly Holmes' niece. She's gonna look. She looked that way against Amanda Nunes as well. So Amanda Nunes has a, a serious size advantage. I don't know that it's going to mean she'll win. But that's the only real thing I know for sure is that she's the bigger woman.
0: Yeah, the uh, she says that Valentina Shechenko says that about her weight a lot. Mm. She said that I've heard her say that before. Two thirteen, I heard her say it um, a couple weeks ago. Mm. She says that, she says that a lot, so I don't think she's lying. But the, you know that's interesting if she does lose, like that flyweight division's coming. Yeah. She drops down there. That's maybe another potential. She fought Juana. And there's another potential fight there at the flyweight division. That would be
1: phenomenal. They both, you know, she's probably go down and one day might go up and that would be cool. That'd be really cool. Right.
0: But other other news, if we if we wanted to touch on Mayweather McGregor since it's come up a bunch, the numbers came out today oh, and yeah. the gate was below well, not buys, but for the gate it was oh, the 55 million, which is mm-hmm. less than uh, what they were projecting that it would smash the 72 million mm-hmm. record. Are You surprised
1: by that? You know, only oh, I'm not surprised only because we saw how Poorly attended it was right like you can jack up the prices a lot, but if you have <laughs> if you have like five or six thousand uh empty seats it's gonna be hard to break records of things that actually sold out or came close to selling out so um you know i i think it's uh it's an interesting thing man like people uh boxing screws itself every every couple generations by outpricing itself you know not everyone not everyone appreciates uh the idea of having to pay you know what would it what it would take to sustain like most villages on earth for 10 years just to go sit and watch a, a sham fight so especially when it's as pirated as it was especially when you know two or three times who knows how many uh people watched it uh, illegally then then paid for it in pay-per-view i guess it it shouldn't surprise me um it's an expensive ticket i mean i don't know what did it start at like 500 for bad was it, seats was
0: the lowest tight price ticket I don't,
1: for for a, literally a meaningless fight i mean that's just it's the money uh, belt was on the line yeah w- it w- was made <laughs>
0: out of alligator skin it had three thousand three hundred <laughs> diamonds 600 sapphires and like
1: 300 rubies that's uh, it just adds to how disgusting that that thing was um yeah i mean i mean it meant <laughs> a lot to the fighters because the fighters they're fighting right and and, it, and they take real damage and, and they have real opportunity so i you know that's why it's interesting to watch but, yeah, it meant nothing uh, much of else. So, yeah, I guess I'm not surprised. Not that I called it. I didn't predict that it wouldn't break the record. I didn't know how well it would do. But. It's a bigger arena, so I think that kind of makes it surprising mm-hmm. than
0: maybe with the Pacquiao. But pay-per-view numbers will be interesting to see because it's, no. it's just so easy with technology these days for to, sh- to pirate live yeah. things. Like uh, when Canelo fought, uh, his last fight was um, Chavez,
1: right? He definitely fought him. I forget if it was his last one or not. I think it was in May. Okay. What yeah. it, I was...
0: You know, Canelo was fighting one night, and I, I logged right. on to Facebook to see what people were saying, and it's like there's an illegal stream, like right there, <laughs> right there. You, you, know, you have Dale Earnhardt Jr. tweeting during, who's you know, f- famous and wealthy by all means, yeah. uh, tweeting about watching an illegal Periscope stream <laughs> of Mayweather McGregor. But I digress. Uh, That's funny. One other topic we wanted to touch on before we got Charles Rose on the phone was Joanna Jędrzejczyk. I don't know mm. if you saw this. She posted on Instagram and she kind of teased a fight announcement coming soon. So right. the fan side of team, we were having a little bit of a heated discussion about when that fight is going to be. It's going to be against Roz, Rose Namahuna, so yeah. I don't think that's any um, that's any secret. Yeah, but it's a matter of where. Mm. Uh, do you, she really wants UFC 217 in Madison Square Garden? She wants that fight. Do they put it there? Do they put her on the Poland card? Do mm. they put her? To De- Detroit or the end of December Vegas card? What do you think if you had to make a guess?
1: Yeah, and it just totally would be a guess because I don't have any insight into to where it's going to go. Um, they've been training hard. She's been doing some traveling. She had her coach Mike Brown out with her in Poland, making the rounds. Like I think it looks like yeah. She not only was it a good opportunity Friday in New York again, but but um, the timing would would probably work pretty well. What's that November? Um, uh, Two seventeen. Two seventeen. Yeah, yeah I that's. 11th like that four, sounds about right somewhere. okay but in november right yeah i mean there's that's enough time to come back chill do a full camp i think that makes sense i mean i i think the time is probably the time is probably past uh where you're gonna put her on fight pass or where the ufc should put her on fight pass or or put her on foreign cards to thank you sir uh to build up that i think they need to Build her up. I think it exposed her to as many people as possible because she's a real star in every real sense. And if she becomes a mega star in terms of drawing power, then that's when you go back to Poland with her, right? And then you say, okay, now the world's coming to you, Poland. They announced Um, carolina's going to be on the card, so it's already a huge Polish fighter. Yeah, and a a great fighter, so that's good. Well, you
0: get Mr. Rose on the line. I'll share my thoughts on it. Please. Uh, People say 217. A lot of people think seem to be really stuck on her putting on 217, but 217 doesn't necessarily need her. There's no threat right. of a boring fight, I think, in the two title fights that are on there with uh, – um, who do we have on there? Bisping, George St. Pierre, huge fight, and Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw. There's no need for that third title fight. And why not put her on a different event that you can boost, either in a headline spot, whether it's a Fox card – or a fight night card even, or it's her own pay-per-view. But yeah. she could enhance any other card. Like, if there's uh, another pay-per-view, 218, the one after that in Detroit, like, she could be the second title fight on that card to boost that one. Uh, you know what I mean? She can enhance any other card. Like, That's that the 217 point. Madison Square Garden card doesn't
1: need anything else to make it marketable. A That's like, totally it's already – a super card. It would but be more to market her, exposure to the to the New York uh, market. You're very right. I don't or the need the Polish her. crowd Absolutely. or, or both. to appease her. Those yeah. would be the reasons to do it. But, All good reasons, but you're right. It doesn't probably need her to. Sell. I mean, if
0: I'm the UFC, I'm like, I love you. We got you on there last year. We don't want to put three title fights on it this time, but you know, maybe they do. Mm, They're coming off of a week two sixteen, which only has an interim title fight as the anchor. So
1: that's true. You know. Who's wait? Which which
0: title is that? Uh, It's the Ferguson, Kevin Lee. Oh, yeah.
1: Great fight. Like, stupid title. Great fight. Yeah, that's that's right. I forgot about that. All right, let's – I'll try Rosa. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what direction they go with. Uh, uh, Hold on. We're on airplane mode there. All right, let's see if we get Charles Rosa. Hey Charles, it's Elias and and Mike from X Rounds Podcast. How you doing, brother? How you?
2: What's up, brother? How's it going,
1: man? Going well, going well. You free and clear to chat, man. Yeah, I'm good. Awesome. Thanks for making time. Yeah, no problem. So we know you're in camp and following you on on uh, social media. Uh, you've got a, a fight in Japan coming up. What uh, other than when you jumped into camp, what were you doing? Uh, what, how were you spending your time uh, between? The last fight and uh, and, and getting this bout we we ask mainly because we have so much fun talking to you not just about in ring stuff but about everything you you do outside of the ring, everywhere you travel, everything you cook, and all that but what what have you been what have you been up to before camp uh, actually started between fights
3: yeah for sure I mean um I mean I pretty much just kind of went right back in the right back in the training you know obviously i wasn't really happy you know with the result last one even though i got the uh the fight of the night bonus a little bit bittersweet you know i mean uh you know the ref stopped the fight i was still on my feet it was kind of disappointing but yeah i pretty much just went right back to camp um i actually got to go out and visit one of my buddies uh out of team alpha male uh matt waggy he trains the team alpha male so i got to go to sacramento for like a couple weeks and just you know check out get some training in there and get to see a little bit of uh california go up and down the coast and drive up down there um like Point Arena and some really cool places like Napa Valley and stuff. So I did like a little bit of like sightseeing and some food stuff and, you know, you know, tested, like checked out a couple of the vineyards and like cool places in California, which is one of the most beautiful places. I've been in a lot of cool places, traveled a lot. Like California is definitely up there. It's amazing. So beautiful. And, uh, you know, still got some training in. it didn't really miss a beat. And then came back to Florida and, uh, you know, back in the grind.
1: How would you compare the, the, the training you're at, you're at one, mega gym one mega camp and you went and visited another one you're out of american top team you went to team alpha male was the was the was was practice uh more similar than it was different were there interesting differences in the way they uh they trained
3: yeah i mean it was very similar you know i mean they got you know a bunch of top high level great coaches on the mat which is really cool to see you know and uh you know it's very similar i think um the one difference I think with American Top Team is a little bit different is we have like a lot of vari- uh, variation of like different weight classes, you know. So you'll see like you know Junior Dos Santos in the same class with like you know, you know Kyoji haraguchi you know like twenty fivers and heavyweights all in the same class and they get you know sometimes the classes are big, but we got a lot of coaches too on the mat and we have a lot of space, you know. So it works out just fine and it's great. It's just uh it's just a little bit different as far as like leadership roles and stuff like that because there's so many you know different guys like heavyweights and stuff like that in the gym and and there's so many ufc fighters like i would say there's definitely a lot more ufc fighters than american top team and stuff like that but i definitely liked what they have had over at alpha mills really cool little tight-knit group of people and they all got along very well and uh you know obviously you know the the coaching is great there too so it was a cool experience to see um you know i just like you know checking out different places training with different people and uh you know, that's how you become the best. I think all the greatest fighters have trained at different gyms. Um, but, you know, obviously for me, my home base is American Top Team.
1: Do you do any sparring when you visit other places or, or not really?
3: Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. I mean, from everywhere i went. When I went to, uh, I mean, you're familiar with me going to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. That was probably like the toughest sparring of my life <laughs> is I went to Amsterdam to a Giro gym and went with some of the Dutch kickboxers, to fight like King Glory and all that high-level organizations, and they knew. I was a while back when I fought Sean Soriano. Uh, I went there for a camp. You know, Soriano's a good kickboxer, so I went to Holland to train for him. And, man, like, they were putting me through some serious, serious things. But, yeah, definitely, man, I I, I always get spawned in everywhere I go. Uh, You know, I just, you know, like I said, you want to make sure you find the right guys, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, staying healthy is the number one most important thing. But I mean, I can you know hang with anybody. I've been through boxing gym, kickboxing gyms, jujitsu gyms, all over the world. And uh, you know, it's it's all about being humble, your attitude. If you go in there acting like, oh yeah, I'm, a, I'm the I'm the I'm the best and stuff like that, like everyone, you know, it's, you're not gonna get a good vibe. But if you can vibe with the guys and you got a good relationship with them, then you know you're just getting in work and and everything usually works out.
1: You know, we just you just touched on some of your world travels. Uh Given that you yeah. are, what given that you are such a world traveler, does, does fighting in Japan mean anything special to you, uh, Charles?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, that's for me. It's like one of those things. Ever since I was a little kid, watching Pride, watching all the events, uh, you know, even watching like Bloodsport, like the movies. Just, it's always been a dream of mine to go to like the Far East or any of the Eastern countries, especially like Japan. It's like you know, pure Bushido, like. To go fight in another country and you know be able to represent my country united states so it's really uh it's one of those things in the bucket list and then i'm gonna get to cross it off and you know get to go there and do things i love to do travel fight, and food you know and i uh, hear the food's pretty amazing there so i'm really looking forward to getting over there and uh you know getting in the cage and getting that win and be able to represent you know
0: hey charles it's mike here you've traveled uh across an ocean for a fight before was there anything you learned in that experience that's going to help you prepare for this fight
3: for me, I mean, I've traveled so much, and I I mean, I I mean, I sleep really well on planes and stuff like that. Like, I'm a good traveler. Like, you know, I just, I mean, the second I get on the plane, every time the person next to me, I, I fall asleep. I wake up when the plane rides over. I mean, I'm sure I won't be able to sleep 16 hours <laughs> on this one, but... The person that always next to me must happen every time I travel, like, over five-hour flights. They're like, man, you slept the whole time. The second the plane, I actually think the motion, like, helps me sleep. So, I I mean, I do a great job sleeping in the planes. The time different never really messed with me. I've been to Thailand before and stuff like that, and it didn't really mess with me at all. So, I, you know, a lot of the stuff, I think, traveling and all that stuff and elevation. I've had to fight in Mexico City with the elevation. Like, I think a lot of it's mental, you know. And if you believe it's going to affect you and you believe, oh, I'm used to sparring at 11 a.m. and I'm going to be fighting it. 12 o'clock at night, like all that stuff. If you just let it get in your head, then, yeah, it's going to affect you. It's kind of, but, but for me, I, you know, I'm mentally strong. I just go in there. I know, I know what I got to do. And I know my opponent's dealing with the same type of things. Like, so, I mean, you know, uh, for me, it's, it's nothing. I'm a, I mean, once the cage door locks, I'm going to be ready to roll.
1: Are you getting into town, uh, at all earlier than usual? Or are you still gonna do the normal, like Tuesday thing?
3: Yeah, I'm going in three days early. So, usually I get in on Tuesdays for, like, regular flights, like when I fight Boston and all those places in the U.S., I get in, like, five days before, but this time uh, I'm going to be seven or eight days, depending on, like, the time difference. I still haven't exactly figured out. But, yeah, I get in a couple extra days early just to make sure that, just to, you know, just to adjust to the time and make sure my food's right and the weight's right because, you know, that 16-hour trip with as far as, like, the, the cutting the weight and stuff like that. I want to make sure that i'm properly adjusted so it doesn't it doesn't affect me you know i still take the precautions always even though like you know i say oh, i'm mentally strong whatever i always take the precautions it's the right thing to do but uh yeah i'm just getting out there a couple days early and also uh, i i you know i'll be able to see a little bit of extra of japan maybe go out and see some things i wouldn't have seen if i didn't get there a few days early
1: it's gonna ask are you staying after it all you're planning to take some days after the fight or you're heading right back home
3: yeah, for sure. Actually, I'm gonna see. I'm just, I'm just gonna see how I feel. You know, sometimes you're a little bit banged up. You know, from your. You can, sometimes you can't even walk. You know
1: what I'm saying? Yeah.
3: So when you're from, you know, from kicking a lot and stuff like that. So I'm just gonna see how I feel after the fight. You know, if if if, if, if I go in and get another one of my 50k recharges, I'll, you know, probably end up just staying out there and uh, <laughs> enjoying some in Japan for like a week or two. But like I said, it's just uh, I'm just gonna play it by year, You know. Uh, you know, obviously I'm going in there and I'm going to uh, do everything I can to get the win and, you know, fight my ass off. And, uh, you know, if, if everything goes as planned and, I, and you know, obviously it'll help if I get that, you know, the bonus and stuff like that, uh, I'll probably stay out there.
0: This – I don't want to pry too much, but if you're going to fight overseas like this and you want to kind of hang out afterwards, how does that work with the UFC? Do they – your flight's covered, so it's whenever you flight and then you're on your for hotel, or are they kind of cool with a few days? Like, is there window a period, or what?
3: Yeah, there's a few-day window. You can pretty much... They pretty much let you change it. I mean, if I want to stay an extra week, they're definitely not gonna... I wouldn't think that they're gonna, you know, help me out with that. But if I'm like, hey, I want to stay an extra day at the hotel, it's usually not an issue. They always... You know, I usually have my manager take care of it, so I don't exactly know how it works, but, you know, they've always been um, accommodating for things. Like, when I fought in Mexico City, they got me you know, few extra tickets because I got a big family, you know, I got five brothers and sisters. So, you know, they took, you know, my mom and dad. So I got, you know, they, they gave me extra tickets and stuff like that. It's usually not an issue but as long as it's not anything crazy. Like if I'm asking them, you know, stay, obviously it's like a five-star hotel we stay at in Japan, like one of the nicest ones. So I'm trying to stay there an extra week or something. Mm-hmm. It's, I, don't, I don't think that'll work, but um, they're pretty accommodating. And as far as the flights, they, they're also accommodating with that. They they deal with it so much. I mean, it usually works out.
1: I, I gotta ask, and this oh is God. this is the last question I, yeah. I I have for you, Charles. Mike might have another one, but when you talked about watching yeah. Pride growing up and watching you know the, the the fighting tradition of at least you know in this modern era of uh, of MMA and out of Japan, when you envision it, when you when you thought about you know one day fighting there, did you think about it in this type of scenario? You going to Japan? Fighting a jap a, well, a really well known Japanese fighter like you know going to someone else's his home turf is that is that something you thought of is you know and how do you feel about doing that I know you're down with whatever but like how when yeah. you when you really think about it what how does it strike you
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it. It's like one of those things. Like just when you're when I was when I always thought about it as a kid. Like my my dream. And what I've done is, like, to be able to go to every country, like, really, like, in a kind of like a almost fantasy, but it's kind of true, is, like, I want to go to every country and fight the toughest kid my size from that country. You know, I went and did it in Mexico City against Diego Rodriguez, you know, even going to New York, you know, and fighting Shane Burgos, the toughest kid from New York, going to Europe and pretty much fighting one of the toughest Europeans, uh, Dennis Seaver, and then, you know, even being in Boston and fighting the toughest kid from Boston, you know, Kyle Boschniak. And then uh even the toughest kid from Rhode Island, Providence, uh John Soriano, you know, and uh that's kinda like the way I always envision it. You know, I, I played hockey growing up as a kid and I would always we'd always go in like these tournaments and we'd go in, I'd go into Lake Placid, in New York and played, you know, Canada, we'd play Sweden and it was always like my dream to be able to like represent my country and fight and you know, or play us in hockey, you just you know, you play them. But, but there's nothing more like real, I feel like, than fighting. There's no better way to like really show you know, who's better. And uh, that's, that. like I said, man, it's, it, 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 it's really a dream. It's, it's pretty amazing. This is how I imagined it. I don't want to just fight like a, a good Japanese guy. I want to fight one of the best. And I feel like I'm doing that. I'm fighting a guy that's a deep champion. That was former deep champion. So former Japanese champion and a lot of different things. And, uh, I, you know, I get to go do that and represent my country as well.
1: Well, Charles, we'd love having you on again, man. Thanks so much for for taking the time before you go before we let you go let fans know where they can follow you on social media you're awesome about posting really cool photos and videos on your accounts throughout your training camps and and including the the things you, you eat and who you're training with so let folks know how they can follow you please
3: yeah for sure if you guys want to check me out on uh you know my handles on twitter and instagram it's uh charles rosa mma you guys can find me on there. You follow my daily training, uh, regiments, pictures, and, uh, you know, cool food stuff that I post and stuff like that. And then on Facebook, Charles Rosa. And, uh, also you guys can, i just want to give a shout out to, you know, American top team, my gym, my, uh, work cut 432, the restaurant that I'm a chef at, and uh, a couple of my sponsors, Planet Juice, uh, pro pro, um, and, uh, yeah, you know everybody I didn't uh, mention, but you know, and also check out Chucky's Fight. It's a website my dad runs. It's a charity. You guys can check that out too. And uh, yeah, everybody, definitely tune in uh, September 22nd and you know watch me in uh, UFC Japan.
1: Charles Rosa, thanks so much for being on the show again, brother. Best of luck with the the rest of camp. Can't wait to watch you fight again.
3: All right, thanks. Thanks a lot, brother.
1: Take care. Another repeat customer. I always uh, forget that he's a chef. So cool.
0: like it's it's hard to <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's just it's um, you're not accustomed to like fighters having other jobs like there's professionals. A lot of them do this full time that, uh, he, you know, that's something he does out of love. Um, and it's it's just really intriguing that that he uh, makes time to do that. And it's not a bad skill to have if you're going to be in a oh. sport where your weight's so important.
1: No, it's it's not bad at all. He's talked to us before about how it helps him with his weight cuts. But yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, it's very very common for fighters to have, even in the UFC, which is one of the, I mean, just the tragic realities is that they paid so poorly that so many of these folks, including the heavyweight champion of the world, uh, uh, have second jobs. A lot of times they're bouncers, or they're working security, or they coach. It's not. I haven't run across many other elite fighters slash elite chefs that's pretty neat to take all the like all the time it takes to become a great chef and all the time it takes to become a great fighter at a young age to to reach the, both, that level of both is is pretty neat
0: well it's also a, a very physically taxing job and totally. i don't think people pr- understand that about being a chef like there's it's first of all you c- it can mean late hours it means long hours and it means being yeah. on your feet being active using heats. your hands the heat is another thing. Mike um,
1: knows of what he speaks. Mike is uh, is a foodie himself and, and, and got some training, didn't you?
0: I dabbled. I, <laughs> I wanted to be a chef for a while and uh, did it for a long time. And, you know, the grind, like, it chews people up and spits it out. Like That's it, what I hear. You know, finally it was, like, enough. It's, like, I'm tired of getting home at, like, 1 o'clock every night. You smell, like, onions or whatever. <laughs> um, all your foods, like, all your clothes smell.
1: It's, <laughs> yeah, to do two tough grinding jobs at the same time is, is a heck of a thing.
0: Yeah, and I was doing it without training to fight <laughs> yeah, people in the right, UFC.
1: Right, right, <laughs> So we, we're supposed to have Dustin Poirier, another uh, American top team UFC uh, elite fighter. You want to give Dustin a call now? Go for yeah, it. Right. let's see. If we can pick, Get him on the line. We'll toss these back on. So Dustin is set to face Anthony Pettis, which is the second uh, straight former lightweight champion. Uh, in a role that he's faced, um, Dustin was doing very well in his last fight against Eddie Alvarez, and then some unfortunate fouls happened, It ended up being a no contest, I believe. But uh, the kid, he's still being given the you know the top guys out there. I think think the opportunities are there for Dustin if he if he not, continues to knock down the people in front of him, he'll be knocking down the door for a title shot with these with this kind of opposition. So it's been a minute since we've talked to him. It'll be fun to see if we can get him on again. I'll dial him now. I think it's ringing. Yo. Dustin, it's Elias here with uh, Mike Dice on the podcast. Thanks for being with us, brother. No problem, man. Appreciate the time. So we were just, uh, we were just on the line with your ATT teammate, Charles Rosa, who also has a fight coming up. Uh, so it's, it's kind of uh, all ATT afternoon for us, man. We're stoked to have you guys. We were just setting the stage. You've got uh, a big, another big fight against your second consecutive former world, uh, former world champion. I, I want to go into the last fight, uh, and we'll touch on it a little bit, and we'll look in the next fight. But, I, you know, I have to imagine that there was a roller coaster of, of, of emotions. You get you get the fight against Eddie Alvarez. You do really well in the fight. You're winning the fight. Uh, and then fouls happen. And it ends up being a no contest, controversial um, no contest. You're, you guys are going after each other on social media you want a rematch, you know, all this stuff is happening. I, I you don't get that match and we'll talk about why or why not that that didn't happen. Um but was did it at all help you to to get another big name former champion as your next opponent cuz I imagine it was it was it must have been a pretty rough up and down ride emotionally to be doing so well against a a, a champion and then have it end the way it did and then not get that rematch. I was rematch. whipping his ass.
2: Man. I was <laughs> whipping his ass. Doing so well. I was whipping his ass. I know it he knows it.
1: <clears throat> every true martial arts fan
2: knows it and uh you know it's simple as that mm. and nah nah because if the right thing would have been done we would have rematched i'd have whipped his ass again and i'd be fighting tony ferguson you know so mm. right thing wasn't done
1: so it still stings a bit even though you've got another big name
2: i mean it sucks but it's life you know this ain't this ain't the fair game this is a fight game and shit happens we keep moving
0: well he's been booked since to uh host the ultimate fighter against justin gaethje would you have liked to have done that as well
2: yeah, for sure, man. We would have got a lot of exposure and built our fight up, uh, built the rematch up even more. Would have been a big one.
1: Why, from from your perspective, Dustin? Why didn't that Why didn't that fight happen? Did you guys actually get into any negotiating with the UFC? I mean, was it offered the rematch? I should say.
2: Yeah, nah. We, we were supposed to fight October 7th. Hmm. and then, and then I didn't even get a call. I found out on social media that. I think he's coaching the ultimate fighter and stuff. For all
1: I knew, I was fighting him October 7th. Wow. And I kind of just skipped past one of Dice's uh, questions I know you had about the uh, the, uh, the the charitable efforts. I don't know if you want to ask that.
0: Yeah, you, you know, after UFC 211, the fight with Eddie Alvarez, um, I guess it's a good segue. You put your fight kit up online to raise money for the uh, Lafayette Food Kitchen, if I remember correctly. Right, right. Uh, yeah.
2: Second Harvest Food Bank.
0: That's right, and uh, with everything that's going on with the hurricanes, I know some of Louisiana was hit. Do you have any plans to do that after this fight with your fight kit again to try and raise money for hurricane relief efforts or anything like that?
2: One hundred percent. We'll see what's going on, but from from here on out, I'm gonna auction off every fight kit you know for the rest of my career, most likely, and I mean um, to benefit some cause, hopefully directly, you know, around my my southern Louisiana area. If not, you know, like right now with Harvey and, and all that. You know, that would be more of something I would give the money to. But we'll just see what's happening around the time. But, but I'm looking to help nonprofits in Louisiana.
1: Is that something you've always been, you know, that's been a part of you, Dustin, is charitable efforts? Or is it, is it something that just started occurring to you recently? Like, hey, you know what? Let me let me try to use what I got, um, you know, the notoriety I have uh, to help out in spots. Yeah, it, 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 it kind of happened to uh,
2: me and my wife were. I have a drawer full of old clothes and old training, you know, pretty much old training clothes, shirts, fight kits and stuff. I'm like, what am I doing with all this? <laughs> the first couple of fights, you know, like my first couple fights in WC, maybe my first UFC fight, it was cool to keep the gloves and stuff like that. But when you getting into the 20s of uh, uh, number of fights that you have with the organization, you just can't keep all this stuff anymore. You know, it kind of lost that. And it's just getting overwhelming with all the stuff. So I'm like, what, am, what can I do with this? And uh, why not try to auction it off? for fans out there who, who really want that merchandise and then help somebody out with it. You know, it's just sitting in my drawer.
0: And one of the coolest things about this, that I don't I think gets enough attention is that the money goes straight to the organization. It's not like you have another foundation and you're taking money for operating costs for this foundation. It a hundred percent goes to the organization that you're donating it to.
2: Yeah. 100%. that's why I kind of like to do my research too, because I know there's a lot of, uh,
1: <clears throat>
2: you know, not so good companies out there that say that they're doing this and that and money ends up going other places. So, I kind of do some research and try to find companies that are honest and, and uh, you know, that, that we can trust, and, and that's what i want to work with.
1: It's interesting, you know, you, you talked about how it sounds like you were a good, like, saver and collector of your own memorabilia, uh, and it, it's it's interesting how what really matters to us can, can change a little bit. It's not as if you don't care about those fights and those memories and stuff, but may, I'm, I'm assuming when you were coming up as a young guy, you know, each one of those, especially in the big leagues, just means, like, everything. But now you're, you're, you're married, you've got, uh, you've got a child, like, you know, like, you're further in your career. Uh, it, have you, do you feel like mentally you've changed a lot, just your, your priorities? Not that you're any less or different of a warrior, but, like, in little ways evidenced by this, like, just the stuff that, you know, the physical stuff even that they used to mean so much to you just isn't as important to you?
2: Definitely, man. Life goes on. Stuff changes. We grow in the sport and grow as a person. Um, now, nah, if anything, I'm a smarter warrior nowadays, man. I, uh, but yeah, stuff changes. You know, uh, my first fight, you couldn't pay me to get rid of the gloves. You know, <laughs> now I'm trying to <laughs> do just shorts and gloves. But now I'm trying to, you know, use it to help other people out. So stuff changes, man.
1: That's cool. I, what shift to this matchup? What? Uh, you know. I know you're you're always game to fight anybody at any time. When you look at this matchup, obviously without giving you know stuff away, top secret stuff away, Dust. I mean, what do you think of the matchup when you look at it with Anthony Pettis? Is this live? It is.
2: I'm not sure if the fight's been announced, really, man.
1: Oh, okay. I thought, yeah, uh, yeah my, well, we don't definitely have to talk about it then. Yeah, I thought, I, I just read it off the news, my bad, but uh, <laughs> put, it, put it this way, when you're preparing for a fight, how much of your preparation is really geared towards the individual you're fighting, and how much of it is just, like, you know, polishing that diamond, making, you know, making you the best Dustin you can, be shoring up weaknesses, and, and, and adding on to your strengths? And for
2: the most part, for the last, you know, 10 years, I've been training nonstop, like, uh just to be a better overall well-rounded fighter yeah. i'm always working on something but obviously when i get here to south florida and <clears throat> we get locked into training camps i put my coaches together and we kind of break down tendencies we see and 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 things we need to be sharpening up uh, offensively and defensively and we start preparing for the actual opponent we're gonna fight but um you know like i said i'm getting better all year round i'm never just hanging out doing nothing i'm always working on something man
1: is it fun for you the 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 film study and all that like you know like football players and you know all, all sorts of sports you know sometimes they'll have to do it you know a certain time every day or a certain time every week and I know some folks seem to embrace that and others don't really like to is is there a part of that that you enjoy or is it is it really stuff that you you mostly like to let your, fo- your your coaches think about the tendencies and stuff like that
2: you know when I was a uh a little bit younger fighter and I first came to the American Top Team and I first really started breaking down fight footage I used to get like not overwhelmed with it, but like obsessed with how every morning I'd watch fights on the guy I was fighting. Every night I'd watch fights on the guy I was fighting. And I would just feel like my, I would just too focused on what they do. So now I just let my coaches do it. I, I trust what guys like Mike Brown and my box, Coach Diah Davis. Uh, I, I really trust their opinion and their feedback. So I listen to them more. I don't really watch a lot of fights anymore, man. I just do my own thing now.
1: That's a lot of trust. And, and it's certainly well-placed that I, I, uh, I'm going. I'm going back now. I don't know why I, I, I thought of this, but you know, when you made the move from home, to Louisiana, and said, you know, I'm moving my career, my training uh, to American Top Team years ago, on another state, you know, new coaches and all that. Uh, obviously, you had even if you were sight unseen, Dustin, you had good reason to think, oh, this is a good idea. There's a ton of of, of bodies there. They have coaches with good reputations. They have fighters with good reputations and accomplishments. But it's still not a personal thing until you're training there with them, and you know that that coach with a great reputation is a good fit for you. How long would you say did it take for you to to feel at home and to develop the trust, find the coaches that that would go on to work with you one on one? Like, how, how long does that type of process uh, take for for a fighter and, and a coach?
2: I don't really know any exact timeline, but probably around. Uh, you know, I came out here for a couple of weeks. I went home for a week, and I was like, you know what? I want to go back. This is uh, maybe five or six years ago when I first came here. I came for two weeks, you know, a two-week stretch and I went back home and I started training again back home and I was like, man, is, was the training really that that good or am I blown out of proportion? Mm. So uh, I spent a week home and went right back just to see. And and after I came back, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm moving. Mm. And uh, it, it took me maybe six months or so before I really started feeling, uh, you know, I'm just kind of guessing i don't even know i'm pro- sure. probably think about six months before i really started feeling comfortable with the guys i was working with you know you get into a rhythm so much with the people you come up with and train with and you had a certain timing with them and a certain work relationship and it's you know at, at first switching everything and getting to a new place is a is, is a little bit of a shock with everything you're, you're learning new stuff and you know it, it's it's pretty big deal and I, I would think about six months you know mm. i was flowing smooth and, and everything started clicking
1: well i've got a, and i've we've I've tried it with you briefly about it a guy I know that trained with and coached a little bit he up here in Chicago Danny Sabatello recently did his own move he said you know what I'm going down to American top team to Florida and, and, and he moved down there and, and so he's kind of going through through that process what's what if you could think think about it and like reflect what is the difference in your experience Dustin, between the type, at least, again, just in your own experience, like the type of training, which obviously was good when you had it back home. Like, obviously, you know, it couldn't have been bad, right? Like, if you became, a, you know, you were already a great fighter. But what's the difference? Right. What, do you, what do you get, you know, when you go from any gym uh, to any other gym that you feel like just prepares you better for, uh, for, you know, the next level? What is the real difference? Is it the organization? Is it the amount of bodies? Like, what, what makes the difference from... From one gym to a really, from a from a very good gym to maybe an elite gym for pros.
2: You know, I've only I haven't been a guy who's moved around that that much. Mm-hmm. I, I was in Louisiana and then came here to South Florida. You know, and I've done weeks here and there helping other guys in other camps and doing stuff like that. But for me, you know, I don't, it must be different for everybody. But for me, it was the the uh, bodies and the reliability you know like i can rely on these guys to show up every day back when i was home it was hit or miss you know i was getting ready for main event fights in the ufc and i was doing bag work and jogging you know what i mean i didn't have uh as many training partners as i needed and uh yeah when you go to you know i guess they call it super gyms or gyms you know gyms like that that have crazy uh number of fighters on the roster you know that every time you show up there's going to be somebody there with skills working so, there's always somebody in the mats i never show up and say who am i going to work with today i hope somebody's there you know i, I know for sure I don't, even, I don't even have to think about it i'm just going to go to the gym and i'm going to get great work in
1: awesome well dustin man we we've, we've loved having you on again brother we'll uh we'll we'll definitely have to have you on again or chat with you whenever you get your your next fight announced man we're sorry to get the last one uh, again we I, I did i put it modestly i said you're doing real real well in that fight I think it is fair to say you were whooping some ass in that fight. So we all wanted to see it finished another way. But we, we know we know that you're gonna go on to some to even more great uh things, man. You've been doing well. So we appreciate your time, man, and uh look forward to talking with you again real soon.
2: I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me
1: on, bro. Very welcome. Take care, brother. Yeah. Bye. So yeah, I definitely wasn't trying to get anyone in hot water there because these well, the UFC fighters can't talk; they'll get, they can get in trouble if they talk about stuff before right. it officially announced. I, I thought it was and it, officially announced. Well, the
0: confusion isn't isn't it's out there, and we know about it because um, Duke Rufus posted it on Instagram a few weeks ago. You know, Anthony Pettis is preparing to fight um, Dustin Poirier yeah. and. Uh, you know so So like
1: he he went out and talked about it so i thought everyone was yeah so like he talked about it but you're
0: right the fighter can't so that's where the confusion i think lies in there and uh you know i think i saw something on um dustin saying that he had signed a contract Mm -mm. so an announcement could be coming soon and he's just kind of being really careful about it but but it's somebody else aside from dustin already put it out there and i think that's uh you know and I think that's kind of where this comes from, and it's what it's expected. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting to see. Uh, it'll be a really interesting fight to see what happens. Um, you know, and if – you know, he probably wouldn't – the timeline wouldn't have worked that he would have been fighting for the interim lightweight title mm. in October. But, you know, he uh, – you know, Ferguson obviously deserved it, and it was just a matter of finding an opponent for him. But, like, if that fight had – if he hadn't uh, – that fight hadn't get stopped yeah. and, you know, he was able to get the win because of the legal blows, Maybe like, he been it might guy. be – we might be talking about Tony Ferguson versus Dustin Poirier instead of Kevin Lee. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Ferguson definitely – I know Ferguson definitely feels like uh, Kevin Lee um, doesn't – isn't – I mean, the part of this is fight promotion, but he doesn't feel that he's worthy of sure. the fight. And he feels like he's followed the Conor McGregor playbook to get this fight, mm-hmm. which is – there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it works. Like, every fighter should be taking some notes and doing some of you the know. things. Like, you don't have to do the exact same thing, but find what works for you and who yeah. you are as a person and make it part of you. Um, without changing who you are, but you know, it it could have been very different, and Dustin Poirier could have been in there. You know, I I don't know if they would have given him the interim title fight. Um, with the way that everything happened at UFC 211, not that he wouldn't
1: have been undeserved, wouldn't right, have been right, deserving right, of right. it. But if you if you would have like finished at I I I would think it would be strange to give it to to Kevin Lee over Dustin Poirier. You know, so there's even that you could say, well, why why was this uh why was it a no contest? You know, you could have had it be a DQ. It was, it's, it's unfortunate because it was a really great fight that it, that it turned out the way it, it it did, and it's unfortunate that they're not getting a, a rematch. Don't begrudge Eddie Alvarez the opportunity he's getting, right? He's gonna ha- he's gonna be fighting another freaking action hero after a long build up and and tough like you talked about during the interview. So good for him as well. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, Dust Dustin surely wanted a rematch, and we would have all watched it. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> Thinking about what it would have done for. Uh- toy age charitable efforts too if he would have been on that's true that's a missed opportunity there um but you know he's still really young there's probably lots of opportunities in his future for those kind of things but he's always super um interesting to talk to it's been nice to have him on the show a few times he's uh he's always got a lot of a lot of thoughts and he's pretty open and candid so yeah um, yeah, he's definitely a good guest um and, well, you know, when that fight does get announced, yeah. whoever it may be whoever against. Whoever the
1: mystery opponent is. And whenever the, the mystery date might be, uh,
0: <laughs> it'll be good to get him back on the show talk about things. But, um, you know, there's some other things we wanted to talk about since we got a few more minutes before we wrap up the show. That was kind of on our agenda that we didn't really get to talk to. Um, earlier fight picks, we didn't get to make a pick mm-hmm. for the co-main, uh, Valentina versus Amanda Nunes. Right. Who do you have in that
1: fight? Man, it, I really I, – I, I couldn't – I couldn't decisively pick – pick anyone right now i'll i'll, I'll say something <laughs> now in a moment but i i don't know who's gonna win i think either woman could, could win i'll what? go i'll go with um i'll go with amanda nunez i think she's got she's got size and um but i i, th- I think Shevchenko could definitely beat her like yeah. i think if, i think she was maybe on her way to beating her the last time if it was a five-round fight like i think she definitely could so it'd be interesting
0: Valentina is a very interesting striker to watch. She outstruck Holly Holm. um, And Holly Holm's a prolific striker, Mm -hmm. former boxer. So that's no small feat. Um, And a person who's fought for the featherweight title. And as we talked about earlier, Valentine didn't cut weight, but I think Amanda Nunes, right. Amanda Nunes, I think it's a, uh, it's maybe the more well-rounded and has Mm -hmm. more tools to maybe potentially lean on. Um, in this fight, but that, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, interesting. It,
1: she keeps on surprising me, right? Like, with her takedown defense or her triangle or her arm bar off of, off of her back, Shevchenko. So, clearly, she's improving. But, yeah, you would think that's just... I mean, I, I feel you on that. Like, Amanda has got power in her hands, but she likes to wrestle, and she's got great striking on top. So, you feel like she's, she's more well-rounded, although Shevchenko keeps on surprising. So, I, I know this. It's definitely a, a a really great fight. If you're one of these... Newer fight fans that maybe hasn't seen either one of them fight Go watch a bunch of Amanda Nunes fights Go watch a bunch of Valentina Shevchenko fights And definitely watch this one Watch their first fight together and definitely watch this one uh, it, it should be a very compelling fight And I, not that this is the most important thing But I bet it'll be pretty action packed I, I, think, I think there'll be a lot of activity in there I don't think there's going to be a lot of hesitation Or a lot of waiting around I, I bet there'll be a lot of action
0: it's just kind of exciting to get back to normal UFC. Yeah. You know? Like, we we had a Absolutely. fight last weekend, which we didn't talk about at all. Stefan yeah. Struve yeah. um, was fighting in front of his home country and came up short, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but that was, like, during the day, which was kind of like
1: a, you know, something we're not accustomed to. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting. A guest did fight on that. We should chat, chat about that. I don't know if you're aware I remember Mike Santiago. We had yep. on. He, he had his content, Dana White Contender Series fight coming up. He's out of the area here. He won that fight. And then they offered him a fight uh, in Europe. In Europe uh, a week later, which is freaking insane and dangerous. But of course, he took it. You have to take the UFC contract when it comes. I guess, that's certainly what they feel. You know, they they feel like they need to. And he fought a really, really, really good one of the best prospects in the division. And uh, fortunately he he fell short and, and and lost. But Mike Santiago's had a, a whirlwind. Uh, he's back in town. He'd love to be on the show again. We chatted with him over text. And uh, he's, in, he's in pretty good spirits, so we definitely got a to touch base with him. That was the most significant thing for me personally, just because he's a guy that I've trained with a, a tiny bit um, in Ricardo Lamas's camp, and then that was on the show, so that was interesting. The whole card was cool. I'd love to go to Rotterdam one of these one of these times. Some point, you know, I've been to the Netherlands in the the northern part with uh, Stefan Birkenpas, who actually was a coach of Charles Rosa. Uh, but I've never been to other parts of it. It was a great country. I'd love to go back for that. It seems like a great crowd.
0: Watching all the fighters and the UFC people who were over there and mm-hmm. seeing them post pictures made it look uh, really picturesque and yeah. stuff. But, you know, we get kind of back to everything. Uh, Santiago, he – nobody can fault him for the loss. Sure. You know what I mean? Short short term um, or short notice. Right. But uh, – it was, you know, it was a good event. I think it was. It was a fight pass event, which made it go by really quickly. I think, mm-hmm. which makes it fun. Um, you know, they kind of there's the one opportunity for pause, which is between the prelim and the main card. Mm-hmm. So, like, because they want to keep everything on schedule, they don't want people who are turning in for the main card to miss it. But those events go like really like fight pass pacing is it's like yeah. pay per view pacing because yeah, no there's no worry about commercials or not as much commercials, yeah. right? Right. Right. Um, but those make the card. It's like also super fun. So that was yeah. a, a fun little a little Labor Day thing. Um, so before we go and we wrap up, let everybody know what you have coming over at Flow Combat and the thousand places that you write.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, a lot, uh, we've got some stuff coming to Flow Combat. Um, probably going to be trying to be trying to touch base with uh, Matt Brown before his fight. And this Norfolk, Virginia card is just kind of like crazy good. Um, it, it is, you know. So yeah, I'm going to try to get some stuff with uh, with Matt Brown. there, some stuff. With Joe Lozon, who was on the show last week, hopefully with Clay Guida, who's fighting Joe Lozon, uh, so we should look for those heading, you know this, this fall. Other than that, not anything ready yet to announce, but definitely focusing a lot just because we have good relationships with with some of those folks on that card. I'm definitely going to try to touch base with a, a number of those folks um, heading into that card. That's it's going to be a real fun one.
0: Yeah, it's that Norfolk card is really good. Names yep. that are on that, aside from Matt Brown, who you mentioned, Angela Hill, mm. super entertaining fighter, Nate Marquardt, uh yeah. Andre Olofsky, um, of course, Clay Guida and Joe Lozon, which you mentioned. Uh it's, you know, Court McGee's on the card. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of Sean Strickland. There's it's oh, nice. You know, and fighter. this card's still getting built out. So is crazy. Is it, it's not a really
1: daytime. So the last time I was in Virginia for a card a couple of years ago, it was in the morning. <laughs> This is not a daytime card, is it? It's like a They don't have uh time. times posted okay. for the card. That didn't suck, by the way. Like I did everything and then did all my work and then had a That's day. the one
0: good thing about fi like event when you're yes. if you're in the West Coast for a West Coast card oh, it's man. on eastern time so the card starts like super early like i think the pay-per-view for mayweather mcgregor started at like six o'clock which is so by the end it's like nine maybe ten when it's over it's so much different than being even central time with like midnight so much better um
1: it makes a huge difference (laughs) but we shouldn't complain about our work and we're not really complaining about our work but sometimes we have to do the very easy work we do late into the night, so it's nice right. when it's earlier. <laughs> well, this
0: is a Fox Sports One card. It says so. Cool. It's probably, I'm gonna say not early. Yeah. Just because yeah. college football. But I literally don't know
1: say. why that was done that way. I don't know if anything else has ever been done that way, but it was during the daytime. I don't. Know. Clay also fought against a few daytime cards. Like why not? Yeah, I'd liked it a lot. Everyone else in the where I was at at the time uh, was complaining. I was like, oh, this is great. This is fine. I'm right. totally fine with this. I don't remember why that. Well, who else was on that card? Ricardo Lamas was also on that card. A few others. It was it was a good one. Yeah, we we'll we'll start a hashtag, a clever hashtag for daytime cards. To make our easy lives even easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps up the show.
0: Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you watched on the uh, Facebook Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page, we appreciate it. If you're listening on the podcast, which will be uploaded later, you can watch Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page, as always. Uh, my name is Mike. This is Elias. Thank you, guys. We will see you next week, same time, same place.